I sense by the Lord we'll continue, as I said to you from the outset, with whose report do you believe? And if I sound hesitant, um, it's because I want to share something with you tonight that I want you to listen extremely carefully and check the scriptures yourself so that you understand certain things that we've got to move from milk to meat. Now, if it's not in the Bible, then it's not meat. It's garbage. But if I can show you the scriptures and you can read it for yourself, then you can eat that meat. Amen. And so the reason that the Lord wants us to eat meat is it comes about, he's talking in the context of the word of God, but it comes about as a place of maturity, not from piousness, not from thinking we're better than other people, but from a point of view that we're able to discern the seasons we're living in, we're able to discern What's coming down? Is this God? Is this man? Is this the devil? So we walk in the light as he is in the light. So that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes through. I remember remember a man, Kenneth E. Hagen, making a statement whom in the early days of my walk, uh, I read extensively after him. And because the simplicity of the teachings. So you've got to understand, in those days, the word of faith was basically new to South Africa. As, as we know it today, it wasn't known back then. Um, and so those were very, very early days. And there were those that accepted the word of faith and obviously those that rejected it. But it's still around because the word of God is the word of faith. It's not a, it's not a doctrine, it's a truth. Sure. You know, so sometimes they say, those people, those word of faith people, well, if you're not a word of faith person, then you're not pleasing God. It's as simple as that. Because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. So it's not for some of the church and not for the other part of the church, it's for the entire church. The thing about faith is you can't say, you have it if you don't, because your lifestyle will reflect what you have. Amen. Amen. That's as simple as it is. So I would think that people should feel extremely comfortable around the word of faith. Instead of resisting it, receive it. Amen. And so tonight, um, I would like to share with you... Um, And what I'm about to say, I say with somewhat of trepidation, not because it's wrong, but because it can be taken out of context. And so what happens often, and that's why I want to try and get to the scriptures and give you the scriptures, um, that becomes the most important. Or perhaps even worse, of taking out of context, something that is very holy is relegated to self-satisfaction and greed. And that really disturbs me. I prosper, family. I am not broke. But I hate greed. And the other thing I hate with a passion is false prosperity. 
when people act as though they have something that they don't have. And they put themselves in debt and they do stupid things to try and show. Now they're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. And they show things in the wrong light and they misrepresent the blessing of the Lord. But when God gives it to us, then it stays with us if we know how to walk in faith to sustain it. Because remember, we have got an enemy. And he will, he's, the Bible says, not me, the Bible says he walks around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's on the lookout to see who he can devour. In other words, steal, kill, and destroy. But we have an arsenal of weaponry that God has given us. Amen. And we know that from Ephesians. So when we understand how to use the truth of God's word in defense of our integrity and our love for God, he has no place to touch us. No place. And that's why the Bible will say, give no place to the devil. Okay? So there's many ways we can give him place. And when, when that happens... When we give him place, then he will break down our resolve to stand against him. And eventually we'll capitulate to his deceptive ways. And I don't have to tell you there are hundreds, thousands of people that once served the Lord that no longer serve the Lord. And many of those people, well not many, but a large number of those people I would know personally from my walk with the Lord. Where are they today? God hasn't changed. They changed. Why did they change? Because they allowed themselves to hear stuff which was not from the Word of God. They allowed the opinions of man and the doctrines of demons itchy ears. And so that's the reason I say I dislike false prosperity. Are you with me? Because it's deception. And the enemy will hurt. And so what is pure in the Lord becomes unholy. Because it misrepresents the blessing of the Lord. Amen. 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 So we are learning. I'm learning. Are you still learning? And I'm going to learn till Jesus comes. Uh, I thank God for the little bit that I know. But I promise you. There's a great deal that we still need to know. And so God, by the Spirit, keeps teaching us. Amen? Amen. So there was, there is, so whose report will you believe? And there is a correlation, a relationship between biblical financial stewardship and the Holy Spirit's demonstration of kingdom authority and power. Get that. I'm going to show you scriptures. Okay? In Acts 10, I want us to go there, please. If you've got your Bibles. Acts 10. So we're still speaking on the economic awakening. Now remember... If you're going to be economically awakened by God, 
then it begins with your spiritual awakening. So we don't put financial or economic awakening. For me, it's more about the macro because God's already given me a promise. He's given you a promise. If I seek the kingdom, everything is added to me. So the context that I want to talk is more from a macro point of view. How do we as the church allow the Spirit of God to work through us to eradicate poverty by the Spirit of God? Okay? So, so I want us to go to Acts 10, verse 1 to 8. And it's a lovely passage of Scripture. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. So he was a Roman officer. I think he was a non-commissioned officer. But he had about 100 men reporting to him. So he's a man of authority. So that's important if you see the backdrop to where and what God did in this man's life. So he was already a man of authority. He was already a man of means. He, he could tell people to come and go, right? A devout man and one who feared God. Now you've got to see this in the Old Testament context. It was only for the Jews. Right? Because he hasn't been born again. Now, the Lord's gone to the, it's, remember, it's open to salvation. But he's a Roman. He doesn't know the Jewish faith or didn't. The Bible says he's a devout man, one who feared God. I would submit to you today that he never got there because he was slothful in his function as a centurion officer. With all his household who gave Listen carefully. Arms. Generously. To who? The people. Which people? The Jews. But they were in occupation. They were the oppressors. And he was helping them. And prayed to God always. But he wasn't saved. When I read these accounts in the Bible, I realize that the doctrines of men have disqualified more people than we could possibly ever, ever imagine. This is because man was not involved. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, in a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said, your prayer, your prayers and your arms have come up as a memorial before the Lord. His giving, his financial stewardship, had come before the Lord. His generosity had come before the Lord. There were many people that prayed. They didn't get angels appear. And the Bible's very clear. Your prayers and your arms have come up as a memorial before the Lord God. 
Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Whose report will you believe? This is not a man that grew up in the Jewish faith. This is a Roman centurion from Italy. A pagan people. At that time. Now watch how God begins to instruct. That's the key that I want you to get. Whose report do you believe? Watch what happens to him. He's never seen an angel. An angel arrives and tells him exactly what to do. Now in these days, obviously, or particularly for him, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Well, he didn't have the Holy Ghost in him because he wasn't baptized of the Spirit of God. So how could God guide him by the Spirit? Therefore, an angel was sent to him. You don't need an angel. You've got the Word and you've got the Spirit of God within you guiding you into all truth. Amen? Amen. Now, so the, so the angel gives him an instruction, a report on what he should do. Just like we would receive an instruction or a report on the word how we should do things. And then he says, he is lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do because angels cannot lead people to the Lord. You do know that. Angels cannot lead people to the Lord. That's not their function. It's the church's function. They are ministering spirits to the believers. Amen? It's important that we understand this. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, I love this, Cornelius called, no hesitation, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. That's my point. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa to get hold of Peter. Fast track to verse 40 and 48. We haven't got time to go through all of the, when Peter comes to meet Cornelius, etc. But now Peter's come from Joppa and he's with, um, he's with Cornelius and his household. And he begins to speak. Now while the Lord had sent him, for Peter had sent for Peter, was for salvation. And part of salvation is being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Come on, family. Part of salvation is being baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's the new covenant. Amen. The reason the Holy Ghost is here is to teach us how to do the ministry of Christ. That's his purpose, to exalt Jesus. And how does he exalt him? He shows us how to do the works of Christ. So verse 44 to 48, watch this. While Peter was still speaking, 
because now he's been giving, he's giving them the, the message of salvation. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that they should, that they should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay a few days. <clears throat> What I really enjoyed that about. Jews didn't stay in Gentiles' homes. And I want you to see this heart of this centurion. He says, Peter, why don't you and your guys hang out with us a while? We'll look after you. Joppa wasn't far. I wonder what they spoke about. What I want you to see is the correlation between arms, worshipping the Lord, being a generous man, and the manifestation of salvation in its fullness. I'll give you more scripture. In Luke 16, let's go there quickly. So what I want you to hear tonight is not exalt economic awakening above Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. Where did I say we're going? Luke. Sorry. Luke 16. It's Luke 16, verse 8 to 13. I'm going to read the whole part, and then I'm going to focus in on two verses so that you get it in context. So the master commended the unjust steward. He was unjust. Why did he commend him? Because he was a good financial steward, the way he sorted out the problem. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? This is Jesus talking. I said, this is Jesus talking. He's giving this as a parable, as a teaching to us. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt Shrewdly, wisely. He was unjust because he had lost money for the master before. But he quickly fixed that. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Get verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. Stop fearing it. I said stop fearing it. It's not your master. Do you fear a friend? Are you anxious about a friend? No. He's your friend. There's a context here that you must pick up. We don't have time to go into that much more, but 
Look what he says. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, verse 11, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, this context is God's. The earth and the fullness belongs to him. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? You cannot take a servant and make him a king. It doesn't work. The Bible speaks against it. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Emphasis on serve. He mentions wisdom, Friendship, servanthood, stewardship. So let's go to verse 10. Verse 10 is a reference to finance being of the lowest influence in your life. Why do people not go to ministry? Why do people not go and do their vision? I'll tell you why. Money. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else. I remember years ago when I was trying to get my father, I was a young man in Standard 6, I was trying to get my, this business thing was just so alive in me. I was trying to get him into a business. I went and found him premises and everything. <laughs> 13 years old. My mother said, have you gone totally mad, Craig? You, your father is not going into that stupid business that you're trying to plan. I, had, I, I, I went and saw a landlord. I said, my dad's coming. I just needed to see. I set it all up. He did go. He said, your mother's going to kill me, son. We're not doing this. <laughs> he never did it. I got him the premises. Come on. What happens here? What was her concern? You know what she said to me? I got five kids to feed. Your father's not doing this stupid business. What's that? Fear. Because she came out of the depression. Lack. The Bible makes, Jesus makes reference. If you cannot be faithful with the least, yeah. yes, I thought I hadn't got any cash on me, but I got some. <laughs> what is this? Paper printed on. 
If I start tearing this up, you'll go, oh, but you won't make a noise so everybody knows. Oh, that'll tell me where your heart is. Now, I won't tear it up because it's legal, and then I'm on the wrong side of God. It's illegal to destroy money. But this money is the least. Just a piece of paper. About the only thing I like about it is the leopard. Because <laughs> I'm a wildlife man. But I want you to see this. Now, this is in the Bible. That's what I wanted you to see. And this time's running out on me already. What you need to see here again, and you've, some of you would have heard me say this, but it's important that you understand money is a commodity. It's a commodity like water, like milk, like bread, whatever. It's a commodity. It doesn't tell you what to do. You tell it what to do. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So, no personality or anything. Allowing it to make decisions. You abdicate your authority. And the enemy is watching. And he'll make sure the spirit of lack comes to put the pressure. Because the world system, the money system, belongs to him, not to God. God didn't make this money. Because the Bible tells you to come without money. This word, this word, released by faith, will buy you anything you want. And I'm not exaggerating. Now, you're not going to get there if you're two years old in the Lord and you're not doing things you haven't learned yet. Your father's not going to give you your V8 when you're six years old. Right? Of course not, because it's dangerous. So we say, well, the Lord's not coming through. Well, he's not coming through because we're not stewarding. We've got to learn how to steward. If we can't steward it, we're not going to get it. Because what will happen is it causes us to become double-minded. Amen? Verse 11. Not being prudent in stewarding finance basically disqualifies us from aspects of revelation in truth that God wants to give us to cause us to reign in His Son, Jesus Christ. But He will not give it if our hearts... He, you see, remember, before you've done it, He knows what you're going to do. He waits to see the response. That's why I always say, when we forgive, we say, Lord, I'm going to forgive Him. God says, He reads the heart, He says, you're forgiven. As soon as you make the decision in your heart, you may not have even got to your brother or sister to say, please forgive me, but you're forgiven by God because he reads and discerns the heart of man. 
So if it's not working, I just say, it's not working, God. I'm telling you now. He says, I know, we're working on it. Amen? But I want you to see this. In verse 13, in verse... Where am I? Verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? That's not money, family. That is revelation knowledge of God's ways. Now listen. I'm trying to get as much out as possible. There's a place in Christ where you have favor with man and God. Do you know what happens when you have favor with man? You prosper. And God, you prosper. That's the reality. But it's got to do with some of the basic things that we should be doing. Let's go to Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. You can just give your offering after this. I don't know who's taking up the offering, but I am... (laughs) I want you to go to Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. What we're speaking of is an economic awakening in our lives. Now, we don't have to do this. Amen? We don't have to do this. But if we don't, we mustn't complain. That's the context. Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. God speaking to Abraham, and he says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country. Whose report will you believe? This was a pagan man. Again, God came into his life. I don't know how he explained it to the family. Because they were used to idols. Now suddenly he's telling his wife, Listen, man, this... Voices talking to me. (laughs) Get out of your country. Listen carefully. From your family. Is God against family? No. But sometimes your family holds you back more than anybody. All with good intentions. Well peppered with unbelief. And from your father's house to a land that I will show you, whose report. Now, in the context of land, this was the geographical area. We know that. It was, but remember, in our context, it's not always geographical. But it can be a promise, a type. The land becomes a type of a promise that God wants us to walk in. And I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in, all, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, I want you to know this promise is where we live today, according to Galatians 3, verse 14. That's where we live, or should be living. Now that word, blessing, he'll cause him to be a blessing. That word, blessing, is nothing else but prosperity. That's what it is. Remember, he's now in covenant with God. Speaking of 
material substance. That's what it is. Flourishing financially. So do you understand, family? It's not about trying to get money from you. There's an economy on its knees. There are little spurts of joy that pop up here and pop up there, but generally speaking, we can't depend on the earth's system. We have to learn to believe God's promise from His Word. And this, if you read it in context, is intended for all generations. In other words, ourselves. And it's not going to start with 10,000 rand. Wisdom and prosperity was upon Joseph. And we don't have time to unpack that too much. But essentially what happened is God gives him a dream. He believes God's report. He believes God's report. But what he doesn't understand is the journey he's going to go on. But he is the one man that never turned from God. There is no record of him ever speaking against God's report to him in the dream. Fast track, he lands up, just throw this in there, he lands up at the top of Pharaoh's house. And he's done what? Taken all the property of all the Egyptians and given it to Pharaoh, a massive investment manager. I want to employ such a guy. Look at this. This is what happens. Now, I want you to see something. What is happening is he is prophetically positioned because God had said to Abraham, they're coming into Egypt under bondage. For 400 years. Do you remember this? That's how they got there. There was a prophetic outworking. Come on. Are you nervous about this? What is the prophetic mandate on your life? He was instrumental in being a blessing to not only Israel, but other nations in the surrounding area. The Bible tells me that all nations will call you blessed. To me, it's not a game. I want to walk in it. If I go into nations, I don't want to go in as a liability. I want to go in as a blessing. Are you with me? Do you know what I'm saying? If the Lord tells me to go somewhere, I can go. I don't go for the sake of going. But if he requires me to go, I'll go. We've got to be at a place, and we're all in our own stations. Don't try and be at a hundredfold when you haven't mastered walking in thirtyfold. But get the hundred of the thirty, and then get the hundred of the sixty, and then get the hundred of the hundred, then get the hundred of the thousand. But that can take you a lifetime. 
But there's a thousandfold in the Bible. So whose report will you believe? In Galatians 3 verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This blessing, what it means is, listen, it's consecration, it's sacred. What do we do with the blessing of God? Oh, they just want money. Mind your mouth. That's why you have none. This means consecration. It speaks of the benefit of money and gifts given to us generously by God to redistribute. And it's intended for that blessing that God spoke to perpetuate itself through every generation until Jesus comes. Because it is in conflict with the spirit of lack, sin and death. That's lack. Resist false prosperity. Resist false prosperity. We're talking about awakening in our clothes. I don't stand here owing any man anything but to love him. Do you understand? There's a freedom that is amazing. You can love on people. There's something about being financially in a position where you're not in anxiety. Come on. Are you with me? This ministry, because of you, is blessed. We haven't stopped alterations, as you know, and restoration, and we continue to do so. But my point is this. If you're not apportioning your blessing to your life, then I'm not happy because there's a seed time and harvest principle that has to work. If it's not going to work for us, how's it going to work for the poor? Huh? Come on, family. So God wants economic awakening. Always. Continuously. But He's not going to prosper us financially when we are spiritual hobo. Because eternal life is more important, the aspect of living in Jesus for eternity, than whether you go to heaven broke. But it's not God's best. That's what we need to understand. 
God's looking for His best in our lives. And He takes care of it. But it starts with the little seed. I don't know about you last night, but I went, did you see me get up before the offering? Because the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want a seed in here tonight. Not your offering. I want a seed. And there was a seed in my Bible. And I went and fetched it. It doesn't stop for me. It goes on all the time. So I'm not preaching here to get your money. I understand that principle. I've lived by this so long. I understand it works. And it does, you see, in Paul, he had learned how to be abased and how to abound. When you know that money doesn't own you is when you can talk and enjoy small people that can do nothing for you, but you can do a great deal for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's where the church is supposed to live. Come on, family. It's real. Too many marriages have broken up. Too much pressure on marriages because of money. I know the cases. Come on. And it's just a stupid commodity. Learn how to, how to steward it. And you've been gracious with your financial. It's so important. So important. The world wants us committed to them. And then they tell us how to live. Um, I wanted to see the elections, and my heart just dropped. I, I, I put on, I thought I was going to go to prayer this morning. I thought, let me just see what happened with the elections, because I haven't been tracking what's going on. I'm busy with revival, man. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what's happened. Because <laughs> as I put it on, they said, and we about, and I don't know if you know this, and there were two on the news broadcast, and they were talking to one another, and they said, and fuel's going up by one rand, 21 cents. How much is that as the percentage? Now, what about the poor that are spending their money to get to work? How are they going to manage? But still the blue brigade runs around costing us billions. Are you getting my drift? Give them the gospel and teach them. Begin by giving them fish, but then teach them to fish. Come on, family. You know, and it's, it's not even going, I'm not even going to notice it. I don't know when it goes up or goes down. I'm not being funny. I'm not trying to be arrogant. 
But I, when I hear it, then I, the first thing I think of is the poor. I think, how are they going to manage? How are they going to manage? You know, the Lord taught me as a young believer. He said this to me. He said, son, if you learn to be in faith, the word is the water. And it will be like Noah's ark. As the water lives, you'll just go up. So my faith keeps me above the economy of this earth. Do you understand? Please hear me. I am not trying to be clever or smart. I wish you would take Luke 16. I've meditated on it for years and years and years and years and years. And have I been in the places of lack? Yes. When I came to the kingdom, I was in the red. But that's how I'd learned to live. Overdraft. On my knees. Oh, please, Mr. Bateman, it's just another thousand. But then I came to Jesus. And being half Jew, I understood a good deal when I saw one. Come on. When I heard tithing, I got onto it. I thought, this sounds like a good deal. I didn't understand it, but I thought, man, I can do with a hundredfold. Oh, yes. <laughs> Make friends with your money. Don't let it control you. God bless you. Thank you for your patience.